Mari Smith, Facebook marketing expert, named top social media influencer by Forbes, keynote speaker, and best-selling author. Mari, how are you? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this interview. Thank you. So what are you up to these days? Just speaking, traveling, teaching, marketing, keeping uh-huh. myself extremely busy. And I'll tell you what, there's been so many changes already in 2019 so with Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg is... Just, you know, it seems like there's something being uncovered almost daily that he has to deal with. And then he's been publishing a lot of content on his profile and responding and doing his best. And there's been uh, a lot of change at Facebook. So it keeps me very busy. And I personally really actually enjoy being able to interpret um, and, you know, read between the lines of what's happening and so that marketers can really understand it and apply to, to their businesses. Like, how do you do that? Because it, uh, Facebook has been changing so much for so long. Like, how mm-hmm. adaptive do you have to be? Like, isn't it uh, like it's becoming like a 24-7, you know, stock market being online just to understand all the time how to optimize and maximize what you're doing in Facebook. How do you do that all the time? You're absolutely right, Ronan. It feels like it's a 24-7. And there's days, I'm not kidding, there's days where I will have plans to... Uh, you know, like work on a project or, you know, create a new course and and I just have to pause what I'm doing because I have numerous sources that I read, obviously news sources and, you know, I'm a member of numerous groups and, and it really does take a village. It takes a village to keep on top of all the different changes. There, I have filters too, so I, I'm not that interested in like minute little changes this button moved from here to here or a lot of times there's um, folks out there that really keep on top of the code behind the scenes in Instagram Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp um, or maybe some of their competitors and we're keeping a close eye on TikTok for example and what's happening in the states with that uh, app is very very popular and so just being able to discern okay, this is interesting. Okay, this is something we're keeping an eye on in the future. Whoa, this new thing could affect businesses. For example, yesterday, I just did a, a Facebook Live on a brand new email that got sent out about engagement bait. And and Facebook uh, back in 2017 actually put something out about engagement bait where you're baiting people to comment on this, like this, share this. Right. And they've now pushed that over into video. So if you say those words in a video, it's going to pick up on the audio. And that supposedly was in place some time ago, but I guess they're just starting to really kind of ramp it up and enforce it. So I want to let my audience know, just be aware that your video reach could decline a little bit, even more than it already is, if you're mentioning these words. So I, I, I filter out what's useful for marketers and what's just noise, quite frankly. And what did you mean uh, when you said that like things are going on specifically these days? That's all to do with privacy and criminal investigations and uh, having to potentially two major threats. One is potentially government regulation and the other is potentially 
uh, antitrust uh, lawsuit, so being being broken up as as a company, having to separate out WhatsApp and Instagram, and so uh, this is. Twice this year already, Zuckerberg has published opinion pieces in major publications. One in January was um, uh, was the Wall Street Journal, and then one just uh, the other week was in the Washington Post. And it's basically Zuck taking a stance saying, this is how Facebook works, here's how our ads work. And then the other one was an invitation to legislation, you know, lawmakers and other tech companies this is what it would look like if if we all got together and, and made up some new rules. But people were not that receptive to it. It's like Zuck trying to go, he's trying to preempt, you know, possible moves out there. There's a great book right now by Roger McNamee. He's called Zucked. And and he was an early investor in in Facebook. And I'm 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 actually I'm listening to it on the audio and it's absolutely fascinating. It's just I like to know the behind the scenes stories, but I don't publish about it a lot, as I say, back to that point where I just, my audience is 100% business. So I'm like, they're not too worried about, you know, government um, regulations or obviously there's horrible things have happened, including government, uh, excuse me, uh, election interference. But at the end of the day, yes, those things need to be handled. There's no question. Um, But for the business user, my job is to educate them on what features to take advantage of, what features to make sure they know about, what's coming, how they optimize them. Uh, groups, there's major, major focus on groups and private messaging. And so that was uh, actually on March 6th that Zuckerberg published a 3,200-word privacy manifesto. And he declared, all right, folks, we're pivoting. We're, we're going all in on creating this privacy-focused social foundation for the future. And I was just about to do my opening keynote at uh, Social Media Marketing World, like 5,000 people. And I'm like, ah, I've got to change my slides. <laughs> I'm changing my talking points. Mary, I'm intrigued about something. So yes. this is my thought. About years ago, you would build a marketing strategy that uh, is a plan. So everything's planned out in the year. You would build the creatives and distribute those creatives. And you had like an exact budget and plan. This is what's fascinating. It's so adaptive that I want to know as a business, how can you be so lean and agile to get each each time and plan differently? Because how far can you plan ahead today, like if at all? Well, I, I love where you're going with this because something that I've been so passionate about for over a decade, 12 years, I mean, I've been doing this since 2007. So um, and, and before that, I did internet marketing, email marketing, and what I call relationship marketing is part of the title of, of my book that came out in 2012 is the new relationship marketing, the new part being the digital element, this is the online social element or the online social network element. And so I love to teach evergreen strategies, right? So it will never, ever go out of style to provide amazing customer service. What is changing is how we deliver that. So do you do it through a chat bot and have partially automated and then have a button on your chat bot, your Facebook Messenger chat bot that would say, you know, talk to a human. So that person's interacting with the bot, they're getting their answers, questions answered, and then they're like, ah, I need to talk to a person. So that's a really big area that's growing rapidly is customer service and technology. I'm actually speaking at an event called the Customer Service Summit coming up in San Diego in uh, early June. And 
they're major, major brands, major brands there. Uh, um, and, and many of them use a whole combination from Apple chat to obviously uh, outside of the US, WhatsApp, uh, in China, WeChat. And so it's utilizing all of these tools and platforms anywhere customers can reach you. The evergreen element is you, you need to be on brand. You need to have clear guidelines, trained uh, community managers, customer service reps, that kind of thing. Um, and But the, what's changing, <clears throat> as I say, is just the delivery mechanism. So another aspect, too, that's that's constant is content. We always are going to have to produce some kind of content. Nobody engages with a completely and utterly blank profile, right? Whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn, you got to have some kind of content going out there. And what's really big right now is video. So I really recommend video. Um, about 70% of your posts on Facebook should be video posts, short video posts. And uh, I love a platform, by the way, plug for my clients, uh, Wave. I'm a brand ambassador for Wave, uh, wave.video. They have a free account. They're just awesome. You can create all the different kinds of formats, and I use them practically every day. But, um, you know, I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk yesterday, and a longtime friend, and great, love his stuff. I'm sure you guys know him. And he was saying that every single company, no matter what industry you're in, we are all in the media industry first. And he was giving some advice to someone who's in legal services. And he's like, what if you found that the majority of your prospects are really into golf and you started a golf site and now you're competing with like golfers daily golfers digest whatever all the golf publications are but you're attracting people to come to you because of that specific interest that specific type of content i thought it was an interesting idea but the bottom line is the evergreen aspects <clears throat> are this you know producing great content engaging with people in the way in which they want to be engaged and then the conversion component. So the, and the conversion, you know, inviting them to do business with you and making, making sure there's clear calls to action that they know where to go, what button to press, what phone number to call, how are you going to get them to become your customers? And those are just age old approaches to marketing, no matter what the technology is doing, right? Yeah, and I would add to that, uh, adding value. So you're creating content, but it doesn't have to be why me and buy from me, but rather understand your audience and even like the example that you gave of golf. So if your audience is into golf, then add value there and see how you nurture and create a relationship. And through that, sell when, when it's time and not just sort of interrupt and just go all in and just miss the momentum completely. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's really about storytelling, isn't it? It's about telling the story, but not necessarily the story of you and your brand and all about you, like you say, for sure, but meeting people where they're at and ideally telling the story of your clients, of, of uh, showcasing great results and, and, and showcasing real people getting real results and, and, and just, yeah, the storytelling aspect of it is just is really powerful. I feel like storytelling has become a little bit of a buzzword recently, and sometimes people sort of miss what that actually means. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So it's been yeah. thrown around a lot, but I don't think enough brands do it right. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of Donald Miller. He wrote the book uh, Building a Story Brand. People can find him at storybrand.com. He's got podcasts and trainings, and he really teaches people how to just absolutely crystal clear uh, clarify their message and then and, and meet the customer where they're at and also just with websites he has this great concept where if people 
look at your website. They have to burn calories in their brain to figure out what it is you, you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you don't want to do that. You want people to sort of ease into your content and feel like they understand it. I actually listened. Mm -hmm. I actually took this online course on Creative Live by Alex Bloomberg uh, from mm -hmm. This American Life. I really recommend it because he talks about storytelling from a really professional angle. So I think also sort of as a marketer, if you think out, outside the box, as cliche as that is, uh, and you try to understand storytelling as a concept and not just through marketing, then that could really add a few points to each. Product. Yeah. So I'm actually thinking, so, I mean, you, you weren't born a Facebook expert. So how did you end up where you are? Well, um, the short version of my story is I, I, I was um, originally born in Canada. I have a Canadian citizenship, but my parents are both Scottish. Uh, they had their family in Canada. And then I went back to Scotland with my dad when uh, my parents divorced. Wait, we're in Canada. We're Canadians too here. <laughs> I was born just outside of Toronto. Ah, there you go. Okay. And then when I was two, my folks moved over to BC. So I was raised in the in the absolute boonies, uh, the very, very remote place uh, in the beautiful Kootenays of BC, a tiny little Quaker community. My my parents were actually teachers at the local Quaker school. So that was fun. It was, it was I didn't particularly enjoy it growing up. I always thought I was missing out and, and missing out on the latest fashions and uh, <laughs> like the big city life and never really knew anything about it. I didn't even see a television until I was like 12 years old. But um, no, my parents didn't have much money at all. So then we go over to Scotland. My dad uh, got custody of myself and all my sisters and uh, raised us uh, by himself. And um, then uh, so I was there for the next 20 years. And then um, in my early 30s, I got an invitation to come to San Diego. And I had been planning up to that point. I had always been an employee at sales and admin and always had a penchant for uh, computers and technologies. Loved them throughout my whole career. I've had these two loves. I absolutely love technology, the internet, computers, and I just love people. And and I always have liked um, like personality assessments and behavioral analysis, what makes people tick. Hmm. And so then I got this invitation to come to San Diego. And the entire year before, 1998, I had been planning to launch my own business. But wait, wait, who public... got an invitation from who? Oh, just a long lost friend. As a, some, a guy that had moved to San Diego. I hadn't seen him in about five years. We bumped into each other um, in England and, and he's like, you know, what are you doing right now? You'd love San Diego. I moved there. <laughs> so it's like, okay. So <laughs> I was flat broke at the time. I had 50 British pounds, which is about a hundred dollars. And, um, and this, this long lost friend and his wife, they were very, very generous and, and uh, basically, funded my trip over here and I, and I bought I couldn't couldn't get one way I came in in the country and I, I bought a 30-day round trip ticket well my friends bought them for for me I landed in this country and I'm like all right let's do this I just very next day pounding the pavement knocking on doors and trying to just get some kind of work to to be able to you know fund my my uh stay here um but I just knew I absolutely knew in my heart I was supposed to emigrate I was meant to 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 work here and live here and within a very short period of time I I got introduced to numerous people uh by by this friend of mine his wife uh, connected me up to someone who was so one of the most connected people in San Diego um and she introduced me to an immigration attorney I ended up bartering him I built built him a website in exchange for his legal fees <laughs> and uh this is amazing it was just I was really, really blessed. And uh, I started working for this, this woman that was this connected woman. Her name's Carol. 
uh, still a dear friend to this day. And, and I helped her to basically get her book published and do her website and consulting and training. Mary, I have to understand something. Wait, this is, this is an amazing story. I just have to understand the psychology of it. You got to San Diego and from the first moment you decided that's it, I'm staying here because. Yeah. Yeah. I knew, I knew even when my friend, um, invited me back in Scotland when he says, would you like to come to San Diego? I, I packed enough. I packed two suitcases. Uh, I told my family back there, my father and um, three of my sisters were still over there. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm emigrating. I'm how not old, coming back. How old were you when you did that? 32. Wow. And like, how did you know? You know, what's interesting, Noah, is that I have this theory that there's a distinction between a belief and a knowing. Because you can believe and believe and believe, but then sometimes the doubts creep in or you, sometimes you can borrow somebody else's belief until you have your own. But a knowing is different because a knowing, I, I, I say that it's etched into every cell of your being. You just know. There's just no doubt. And you were you ever there know. before or you just knew and that's it and you don't know even how you knew or what you knew, you just knew? I just knew. It was a, it was a defining moment in life, I thought, because I'd spent the entire year, 1998, putting together my business plan. Uh, I had business cards. I'd built a website. I even started to get some clients. And uh, I was teaching personal development, public speaking, personal growth. And when this invitation came in, I just thought, oh, I'm supposed to build my business in America. So you were thinking of doing it in Scotland, and then the invitation came in and it all came together? Yeah, I was literally going into my bank, um, my bank in Scotland and, and I was about to sign to get a, a small business loan to like launch, launch my business over there. Cause I was, I was so broke. I had no money. <laughs> you know? I was like, all right, I, I need some, I need some funds. And my bank manager was like, all right. And so then this, like the next day, this invite came in. I'm like, Oh, I'm supposed to go to San Diego. Wow. And were you scared? You know, I, I, I wouldn't say I was scared. I was very, very excited. I'm an extremely resourceful person. And I think that comes from like moving a lot as a kid and just watching my dad. My dad's my hero and uh, just how resourceful he was and uh, he's so creative and just a real genius. And um, he, he just always managed to, to thrive, and even though he never, he never had that much money. And he emigrated himself, too. And he was in his early 20s. He emigrated from Scotland to Canada. And he had like 50 yeah. pounds to his name and a little bike, <laughs> a little moped. So, so there's a um, theme with I, that number. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's a family story. You start with 50. You start with 50. There you go. Maybe that'll be the title of another book. <laughs> and then like, did your parents support you? Because it's probably like hard for parents to sort of give their blessing to not being able to be together and being like an ocean, oceans away. Yeah, it definitely was tricky there. And uh, I was very fortunate to, you know, once I got myself established in the US, I've been able to go back uh, to Scotland numerous times, usually about once a year, sometimes twice, I'll go go visit. And and plus, I've had my whole family have come to visit me many times uh, over the years. Okay, so I'm back to the you built the sites and you bartered with other people. And okay, so you're really like grinding it. And, and, and it actually sounds like this is where you sort of built a network for yourself, right? So through those those grinding era of, of building sites and bartering, you sort of started to get a good network on. You're absolutely right. Oh, my gosh. We can't stress this point enough. You know that saying where it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. And there's great truth to that. I absolutely believe that. And at the same time, I always like to add on another piece to that saying. So it's not what you know, it's who you know, but it's who knows you 
because I could say, well, gosh, I know Richard Branson. I know Oprah Winfrey, but like, okay, wait a minute. Do they know Mari Smith? Do they, would they just pick the phone up? Hey, Mari, how are you doing? <laughs> and also if somebody asked them, do you know Mari Smith? What would they say? What would they say? Yeah. Yeah. There's a reputation part of it. There's, there's a depth of knowing, um, a connection, but, but generally speaking, like I say, um, it's really about who who knows you and who who can make introductions for you and and so yeah i i'm i mean i used to be very active in toastmasters and they're an international organization for public speaking it's very active in my local chapter in scotland so it was one of the first things i did when i got to san diego is i looked up toastmasters and like okay i go to join a local chapter and then from there, we used to have this this um, organization in in the U.S. called Learning the Learning Annex, and the Learning Annex was all of these very inexpensive or free classes. So I just started signing up for all these classes, and I'm going to all kinds of different, you know. And I had to borrow my friend's car. I didn't have a car, you know. <laughs> I didn't even have a social security number yet, or any. I didn't have my papers. Uh, so I was just, you know, getting out there and networking. That's how I got introduced to a whole bunch of amazing people that really were so supportive and helpful. Like I say, many are still my, my friends today. So you were able to tap into uh, those groups uh, and places where you were able to get people to actually get to know you. Exactly. But, yeah. But Mary, mm-hmm. Okay. So you're from a different country. You land there, you start talking to people and you're, you're very likable, but how do you make them remember you? Like how did they make it yourself how do you brand yourself as useful for these, you know, at that point, they were, uh, you know, bigger, larger, well-connected, you know, uh, they lived there. They had all these advantages, but you sort of grew your network, like, and probably it's likability, but what else? Like, what was your superpower here? Ah, you know, Noah said it earlier, and, that, and, and it's still true to this day, and that is adding value and just looking, like, how can you help? How can you give selflessly? How can you just really plus this person and what they're doing. And I, I'm very fortunate to have, you know, a lot of knowledge in the technical arena, whether it's, you know, the internet or computers or technology. I just, technology comes so easy to me. And so I found that I was able to to teach or help or guide and, you know, have a really strong background in administration. And so um, I got connected to this. So I, I did la- the Landmark Forum too. The Landmark Forum is a, a very long um, established personal development program uh, and then through this friend, Carol, she introduced me to a, a whole global community called um, Money and You. It's a three-day program called Money and You. It's established in the 80s. And the, the owner of that program, you know, I, I was able to be creative with her and I was able to help her out in her office and do all kinds of great things in marketing and administration. And I just kind of like bartered my way through the, the first, you know, six months or so of coming to the U.S. and by just looking for how can I help this person. I think it just people just really wanted to help me. I think they felt like you know they had this new protege. Here's this this young single woman who's who's just very eager and in many ways it was kind of innocent and I didn't really know, you know, I didn't know I didn't know what I didn't know in, in terms of like what what was not possible. I just I just knew I was supposed to live here and have a great life and be very helpful and and contribute to others. Be a I'm service. Wondering, I'm wondering. You're very humble, but I'm wondering. In retrospect, was it you helping them, or because you learn really quick and you came with the tech background, you were helping them more? You know, like you, you, your memory is is a funny thing. So I'm wondering in that situation, maybe they're saying, "Wow, this, this she saved me. She built this amazing, you know, whatever." You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So my friend Carol, for example, she's an she's an expert with the DISC model, a DISC. It's a personality assessment, and right. and um, she for like twenty years or more, she'd always wanted to publish a book. So that's why I just helped her to publish a book. I'm like, well, here, let me just I'll put your book together for you, and, and yeah, we'll get that published. <laughs> Were you sort of tapping into the way that you could help people out, and then through mm. that nurturing relationships and climbing up. Uh, some sort of milestones that you've identified and set for yourself? Like, was it a strategy or was it random? That's, you know, it was a strategy. You know, you're right. And and I that's something that I've just really had. Gosh, you know, I think it's probably an ethic that my father instilled in me. If I go way back, way, way back to being a little kid. And he would always say things like, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And he was, he's also a fiercely independent Scot. And he'd be like, He'd be like, if you want anything done around here, do it yourself. So he right. was like, he's also a very, very hard worker. And I really stuck in at school. And I found like with uh, my father being a single parent, raising five girls by himself, age three to 13 at the time, wow. I found the way to get my dad's attention was to be really smart at school and to come home with great grades. And then he he gave me a moment of of uh, attention and appreciation, like, "Yay, Dad! Look, I got some good grades." <laughs> so I just have always been um, an overachiever and a high performer, and just um, really determined. And and um, and then I think also you mentioned humility. Uh, my with my Quaker upbringing, I, I do believe that my both my parents really instilled that in all of us to just. Treat everybody as equals and to just um, not put people on pedestals and don't allow others to put you on pedestals and just to, to really be to be humble. Right. And, and, yeah. and as an entrepreneur. So, yeah, like what's amazing about your story is, is again, as every giant winner and I'm not going to be humble about you if you <laughs> let me. So it, like growing from nothing to something that is amazing and inspiring. So if I was an entrepreneur now, okay, and I want to be like you, I want to be the best at what I do, okay, what would be three things that you would tell them that those are rules that you're not willing to break? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I say number one at the top of the list is to be true to yourself. Like your gut. For most people, it's going to be a gut feeling. We all have make decisions slightly differently or like we know our truth. Some people might be feeling in their heart. Some people it's more in their brain or their throat chakra or just, you know, where, where you kind of get your truth, where your truth meter is. <laughs> I know for me, it's in my gut. And I know there's times when I've ignored my intuition or my gut feeling. I'm like, ah, oh my gosh, I find myself down a path that I didn't really intend to be. And it's never wrong. It's never wrong. No, because we're all tapped into, we're all connected into the infinite intelligence, the greater universal collective consciousness. And when you allow yourself to quiet the noise, and that's one of the biggest challenges today is there's just so much noise or so much, um, uh, you know, notifications and uh, social networkings. If we, if we overuse them, it can be too, too overwhelming and, and that we, we don't hear that still quiet voice. And so, and that's coming um, from a Facebook expert. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Use it within reason, you know, and, and yes. uh, but it's still challenging because they, they build these platforms with psychologists and, and, and they make them so that we yes. will release these brain chemicals and we'll want to keep coming back, that yeah. FOMO, right? So anyway, um, yeah, I would say that uh, we want to uh, be true to ourselves no matter what, have a clear a plan if possible, um, but be willing to be flexible, like, like know what you want, but, but also, um, don't get too attached because the universe might have a, a, a totally different plan for you and, and that's okay. 
Um, one of my clients, actually, he's out of Tokyo. He's got a book coming out in June. It's called Happy Money. And and he's kind of known as like the Tony Robbins of, of Japan. He's really going to make a big splash here in the U.S. Ken Honda, his name is. He's just lovely. Gosh, talk about humility. He's just mm. a beautiful, humble, generous, kind man. That's, and, uh, that's the reason- not totally Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, the the I motivation it. part, I think that's only the motivation part. that, uh, that is like They call him a Zen millionaire uh, over in, in uh, Japan. The reason I'm bringing him up, because this this aspect of, of like – setting your goals but not being attached to them and he has this concept that everybody has like a container um that you can hold so much money in so some people it's like you know hundreds of thousands others it's millions 10 millions hundreds of millions billions whatever that amount is is like you're able to kind of hold or attract or manifest this amount of money um other people might call a blueprint or whatever there's different bodies of work out there and um what Ken says, what's fascinating to me is that, and he teaches a lot in Japan, but also China. And he says, he says that everybody in the U.S. when he comes to the U.S. and China, all they want to know is how do I grow my container? <laughs> so like, I want to, I need a bigger container. I need more money. And he's yeah. like, whereas in Japan, they come to him and they say, how do I cultivate more satisfaction with the container that I have? And that is something I think is such a powerful message for for everybody today because we're hearing these messages about hustle and grind and get ahead and more, 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 consume more, generate more. And I'm like, wait a minute. And then one day you might wake up and go, is this it? <laughs> what, what am I pushing and hustling for? Why do I need more? So It's also never enough when you think that way. You always want to grow the container. It's never enough. You know, I know. I mean, this is just such a fascinating conversation we're having here today. Um, as I just recently heard an amazing um, cardiologist speak here here in San Diego. She was speaking at an event I was at. And she said the only area that us human beings ever feel satiated, satisfied, is when we're eating. You eat till you're full. Otherwise... Wow. Every other area of life, it's never enough. We always want more, 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 more. I'm like, that stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's absolutely right. I'm really trying to so, think now if I if I can think of other times. It's, it's difficult. Could it be true? It depends. But yeah, I think that it takes a cultivation and a. I was going to say maturity, but I've seen I've seen kids and teenagers and you know younger generations it's not necessarily about age it's more about having the um uh, wherewithal or the decisiveness that you are going to be mindful uh you're going to know yourself i I think there's enormous power in knowing yourself and not getting swept up in what society thinks that you should do and be and become and and just really um as we said earlier about really you know tapping into your own truth um, I think it's a lifelong journey. You know, I always used to say that that you're never finished growing. And the reason that you know is that you're above ground. Right? So yeah. if you're still alive, you're still growing, you're still getting to know yourself, and you're always striving to become the best version of yourself. I think it was the late, the late great Dr. Wayne Dyer that said that, uh, you know, don't, don't compare yourself with others. He's like, you can absolutely compare yourself with yourself. So you want to be a better version of you than you were six months ago, six years ago, 60 years ago, and always looking to, to, to be a better version. But that doesn't mean that it's about more. It doesn't mean that you've got more of everything.
I'm, I'm curious about something. You sound to me yeah. like, like you're into a lot of flow things, like peak performance flow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is it, is it like a thing now? Like, this is what's interesting. Everybody has all entrepreneurs that I met in the meantime that are successful have their own ways to g- maintain their flow or peak performance. Either things that are, let's call them material that is not natural or material that is natural, meaning through themselves or either meditating or, or hiking or whatever. Um, what, like what's your way of maintaining the flow? Yeah, so I do meditate. Uh, I love time in nature. I'm very fortunate to live quite close to a beautiful lake. And um, I, I like to be creative. I, I, I don't have as much time for it. I don't make as much time for it, but I, I play the keyboards um, and I like to paint and draw. Uh, my partner and I uh, have a beautiful church that we go to most Sundays. Yeah, so just really striving to keep our, our spiritual lives uh, connected. Mary, now this is um, uh, like one of our final questions, but this is really important for all our listeners. Now, you've done so much. Like you're saying you want to become a better version of yourself, which I love that sentence. What's the next step for you as two versions? Like you you can't tell me personally, but also personally and also professionally. What's the leap up in the height you've been in right now? Like how high are you you going to strive and how are you going to do that and what it is? (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm a really, really big fan of digital streaming television, and I, I Facebook Live like really changed change all of our lives. I love doing Facebook Lives. I have a home studio, and so the next level up is to actually have uh, a show, an online show, as well as a major television show. Uh, I see myself hosting or co-hosting a regular mainstream television show uh, around business and development, personal growth. Uh, I have a concept I started many, many years ago called Business and Beyond. Um, Back in 2013, I had a club called Business and Beyond Club. I need to resurrect that as a mastermind to really help people make that connection between the business and the personal development, the spiritual aspects of of business, because we all, you know, it's not like we're two different people. We have that. And so just, just really working on myself to make sure that I have the capacity to have the the energy and the support team around me to be, um, you know, like a mini Oprah. Uh, I love Brene Brown. Um, I, I just aspire to to people like that, even Michelle Obama, to just be able to have major major stages where I'm I'm an amazing public speaker, uh, imparting messages about empowerment, about business, about um, self-development and being Facebook and more. So, so not just Facebook, but Facebook and more. So business and beyond. So like currently, uh, most of your influence and you have, you have millions of followers. I mean, a lot of people, uh, in the Facebook marketing industry have, uh, learned so much from you. So do you feel like, uh, is what you're saying is that you'd like to expand that influence to more of, uh, of helping people sort of fulfill themselves uh, as a whole? I'd like to expand, yes, to be, to be more mainstream. Uh, and at the moment, I mean, and I found this in the, in the 12 years that I've been a Facebook expert, that people will come to me, especially when I do a live event, 
they'll come to me because of the Facebook, right? That's the hook, if you will. They come to learn the, how to market their business, how to grow using social media, mostly Facebook, Instagram. Um, but then when they get to know me, that I, I help to kind of open their open themselves up to to more. And this is a lot of it has come through in this conversation we've had today, and and we're. That we can bring these these soft skills to light. Uh, I wrote about them in my book. I actually, have a whole chapter on soft skills, which are things like deep listening, compassion, empathy, uh, really just having having deep and meaningful conversations, as opposed to making it all like the left brain business technical stuff. But, but that's very obvious for me. Like you're saying, a Facebook expert, but you're actually it's not Facebook that you're an expert of. You're expert of the users, the people. How like to make them listen, to make them uh, empathetic to what's going on you're you're building relations so it's it's like it's very mainstream because facebook is not like it is about the t- tech and the adaptiveness that we talked before but i think that what you do is you're actually building audiences which is super mainstream you're talking to people which is like exactly what people are looking to focus for so it's very logical for me that it is mainstream already well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Yes, that's very true. Okay, I did the, you know, saying what I what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, out of all of this, um, we had an amazing time. My last question is, what is your superpower? Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say listening. Listening. Is it because I it's so all-encompassing. So listening, like listening to myself, to my own intuition, my own inner guidance, listening to my mentors, my coaches, and and then listening to others and listening between the lines and being able to have that empathy that you just spoke about, Ronan, and to be able to to listen also just kind of tune in as to the kind of the the whole industry like i feel like i'm always listening to where is the social media industry right now where's the planet right now what do people really need and want right now so it's like really tuning into that collective consciousness and listening with deep heart and compassion and knowing and and knowing that in order to positively impact the planet it starts at home like even peace Peace starts inside of ourselves, you know, and and just being able to speak my truth uh, in a very compassionate way. When sometimes that's like being able to say no to something that people, somebody really wants me to say yes to, but I'm listening to my inner guidance. So I'm like, this is not for me right now. And just do that in a very honoring way. Amazing. Amazing. Mary, thank you so much. Um, We're definitely going to tell our audience to listen to the super listener. (laughs) <laughs> and we appreciate the time and yeah, this is really powerful really glad that uh, we met each other and uh, we got an opportunity to be doing this I look forward to the episode coming out please do let me know Al. absolutely thank you so much thank you thanks Ronan thanks Noah okay bye bye real life superpowers Technology. It's alive! Real. Live. Superpowers.